In the heart of the state of the art, at the dawn of the next stage in entertainment, you found no proscenium. found No Proscenium, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, and welcome to episode 393. This week, Aaron Riley, founding director of the University of Texas at Austin's Texas Immersive Institute at the Moody College of Communication, joins us on the show to talk about the program there and how the next generation of immersive creators is using emerging technology to create deeply human stories. Before all that, one last reminder that the next Stage Immersive Summit is coming up June 2nd through 4th here in Los Angeles. Indeed, Erin's going to be there. She's, uh, she's one, of our, our, uh, one of our badge holders. Uh, we've got just a handful of those badges, not badge holders, <laughs> a handful of badges left for the event that will see over 200 of the most dynamic creators and producers in the entire immersive ecosystem connect over that weekend and explore what the future of immersive art and entertainment looks like. This is your final boarding call. Final boarding call, all passengers, to the next stage. Uh, and we wanted to thank our sponsors for this year's event. None of this would be possible without our presenting sponsor, the Herberger Institute for Design and the Arts at Arizona State University, who have hooked us up with the ASU California Center, which is our venue this year. I'd like to thank our two pillar sponsors, Meow Wolf is sponsoring the next generation of creators and audiences pillar, and C-Tickets is sponsoring the Making an Impact pillar. Our badge sponsor is Morty. Morty is an online network to find, track, and review escape rooms and other immersive social outings. You can find them at morty.app on the web or in the iTunes store, not the iTunes store, in the iOS store, in the app store. <laughs> Apple's got so many stores. Find them on the App Store uh, on iOS. Also, I'd like to thank our in-kind sponsors, our coffee sponsor, Yes Please, and our friends at Black Axe Media who are helping us video the event. Our hotel partner is the Ace Hotel. And I want to thank uh, our fiscal sponsor, Producer Hub. Uh, the Immersive Experience Institute is powered by the Producer Hub, and that is how we're able to take tax-deductible donations in order to create the next stage. Uh, all of them have come together to make this happen. You know who else comes together to make things happen? Our incredible Patreon backers who keep this show and yours truly alive and kicking and able to pull off stunts like the next stage along my co-conspirators, Eric Vossmeyer and Catherine Yu. In fact, the latest backer to join us is Jeremy Gutman, who brings us up to 432 backers and keeps us over the oh-so-critical $3,000 a month mark, which is where we need to stay. We need to go beyond that. Remember, as little as $2 a month makes a difference to us, and hitting up patreon.com slash noproscenium not only powers the podcast and websites for No Pro and Everything Immersive, it also gets you into our member-only Discord. In fact, we started scheduling backer-only and professional hangouts in the Discord, weaving together our community a little tighter over coffee. Something I'm getting myself uh, to wake up early for these days. Only once a week, though. I'm not going to wake up that early all the time. Uh <laughs> 
If you're already a backer, I don't plan this. Uh, if you're already a backer, don't forget to link your Patreon account to the Discord and drop a review on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice and share the articles you find useful on your social media platform of choice. It helps immensely. We are always no proscenium, except on Insta, where we are no underscore proscenium. Don't ask. Don't ask. Uh, as always, big thanks to our sustaining backers, Samuel Mustry, Chris Bullman, Samantha Davison, Eric Shamlin, Elaine, Daryl, John Boulette, Jay Bushman, Jerome Joseph Gentes, Tom Leonetti McGuire, Kurt Collins, Winthorne, Ryan, David Bassick, Richard Ayers, Lonnie Hanson, Lecker Lacool, the Ministry of Peculiarities, and Jan Budman. And we're always on the lookout for community partners who are up for working out special deals for our backers. Hit me up at Noah at noprescinium.com for details. Backers look to the Patreon soon. Boston bar bloodsuckers at the Hollywood fringe. There's a code coming your way. Oh yeah, it definitely is. And on that note, let's get into this week's show. on the show this week is Aaron Riley, founding director of the University of Texas at Austin's Texas Immersive Institute at the Moody College of Communication. TXI's mission is to provide access to emerging technology and research to design experiences for artists, scientists, and humanists who use storytelling to share solutions to big problems that are responsive, responsible, and remarkable. And she's here to talk to us about the program and what fun design puzzles that her staff and students are tracking these days. Erin, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks for inviting me, Noah. Super excited to join you. We haven't had a chance to sit down and like talk, I think, since you were at USC like years ago. So like this is like the right. longest conversation we've gotten a chance to have that wasn't just email uh, in right. seven years. So so looking forward to this. Uh, I, If people can't tell, I pulled the mission statement off the website, and that's what I just read up to the, to the she's here to talk to us point. Uh, but how about you give us the lowdown on what's going on over there? Sure, sure. So yes, love the mission statement. Um, but just in a nutshell, uh, what I would say Texas Immersive is, is a community. Um, it's a really eclectic, interdisciplinary community of um, hustlers, hackers, designers. Um, but overall, uh, <laughs> we're trying to be experienced designers. You know, I'm trying to help this next generation really understand that the future is about experience and that to really be uh, excel and think about novel and new ways of designing experiences, you need to first start with audience, um, really understand, you know, what the audience's intention is, what their expectation and value is, what their interact, what type of interactions do you want to offer the audience and what would they want all the way to interacting with space. Um, and then how audience then interact with storytelling. Um, so at, our, at the heart of us, uh, while we demo and play with emerging technologies, we're really looking at it from an audience and storytelling perspective. Um, what, what types of worlds do we need to build? I mean, I was at USC, so like cannot yeah. not be influenced by Henry Jenkins, who I worked with for a decade, and Alex McDowell, who was there, who really built the whole idea of world building. And so I've taken that on in my own um, teaching and research as to like, what are those ways we imagine and envision a world all the way to populating a world? And then once we have that world, 
what are the different types of narrative architectures that really foster a sense of presence, a sense of embodiment, a sense of uh, you know engagement. Let's let's hook in there for a second, I, I, and I, there's something I want to roll back to as well. But um, you mentioned pop, building a world and populating a world, and one of the things we're always talking about here is you know uh, casting the audience. Uh, is that something when it comes to populating the world that that is part of the approach that y'all are having out there? Like, who is the audience in these stories? Yeah, um, r- really good question. I the way I think about audience is. Um, is not only the characters you're designing, and I when I dive into populating a world, I first start with just helping them understand what is character, right? Who is character um, um, from from like a narrative perspective, but also then thinking about audiences' character. So there are different roles that an audience can take, from a visitor to a spectator, all the way to being the hero of that immersive experience. And each of those have nuances in regards to the type of interactions and engagements you wanna foster in that immersive experience. So students learn those different techniques and design as they're designing out their and building their content Bibles. Um, and they spend an entire semester in teams really designing these content Bibles. And then one of them is chosen to go into production because what I found that was lacking in a lot of these programs is they would learn these techniques as to be an experienced designer. They'd be able to put a great deck together. Can't tell you how many decks I've made in my life, but then could it be realized, right? Can, can they understand how to operationalize it? So from the very beginning, I say, we're going to visualize, we're going to design, and we're going to learn to operationalize these immersive experiences. So their capstone course is to spend 14 weeks going into production and operationalizing it. And a lot of them are not from worlds that are used to production. So they have to learn about what it means to be in production, (laughs) Which for someone who hasn't been in production is can be a shock or someone who hasn't been in a while can be can be a real shock because it's just it's a different beast. You know, you 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 get back the conditions on the ground. and It's like, hey, remember what we're thinking about is going to be like this. It ain't going to be like that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know what that's about at all. Uh, I'm not speaking from recent experiences. No, not me. Um, yeah. How to really stay on a timeline and how to learn to like cut something if it's not working and when oh, you. Yeah. That's, you know, that's I, I, hard I, for students that are like, "This is my baby," and I'm like, "Yeah, you're gonna have to cut it." That's always. I gotta say, like as a producer, whenever I was a director directing theater, that's actually my fun. Like when it's like, what can we lose? Like what's gonna make this? Like uh, one of my one of my professors back in the day, you know, he just gave me this one note. Like I, I we were doing we did one act. Sorry, everybody, the Noah moment. Uh, we were doing the one act plays uh, at SF State, and it was a collaboration between the the writing department and the theater department. So they'd get you know playwrights from the writing department, they'd get to come over, they'd get a director, yada yada. And we had one professor who was in both, and we we got through the process of of the show, and he was there to give notes. And like I I had finally gotten a place where I understood that notes were a good thing. Like when I started, when I was like in high school, like you know I didn't know how to how to accept notes or take notes. And then I got to the point where I was like hungry for them because it was always just meant a puzzle I could work on. 
And they yeah. came through and, and often when someone wasn't giving notes, I was like, oh, it must be really bad because they got nothing to say about this, right? No, <laughs> no, n- there's nothing that they would want to improve, right? right. Which means yeah. you haven't, yeah, if you haven't inspired someone to try and make your thing better, then you're not engaging them is sort of like the way I experienced life as a, as a creator. And uh, Roy came through and didn't have much, but he just said like, just let the air out. You got it all there. You just need to let the air out. And that idea of like, we just, it was breathing too much. We just got to like, let it filter in to be, to be nice and compact and just go, go, go. And of course, you know, sometimes you got to, you got to put the air in because it's going too fast. But that little thing where, what can you shave out? How can you, how can you just take away the barrier for the audience is, is a fun moment. I love what you said, uh, Noah, about like uh, if if you're poking at it or asking questions and you like it. And the students have learned that if Erin is uh, is saying yes and and adding and riffing to it, it means she likes your project and there's something there. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. And it's true. Like if it gets you curious and excited, then you're going to continue to push and add those notes. Do you make them do improvisational theater as part of the program? Yes. Yeah. So I, my background's in theater too. Like I began in theater before I moved into television and film and multimedia and transmedia storytelling, you name it. So I remember those days. And, um, and I think that what's really unique about Texas immersive is you have a wide variety of students from different majors. I think I have about uh, 15 majors represented in the program right now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And it's 50% graduate students and 50% undergraduate. So I, I don't even like say, oh, only upperclassmen, which a lot of colleges do, you know, or, or just grad students. I'm like, dude, if you can hold your own and you can be in a room with all these people, then you, you're meant to be here, you know, yeah. because that's what the real world is like. It's not age discriminant on on or even expertise. Can you hold your own? Can you like ask the good questions? So I have freshmen, sophomore, junior, seniors, and graduate students in the program. And from the majors, uh, my my faculty position is in the school of in the Stan Richards School of Advertising and PR. And so we started this as a new sequence in Texas it, called Texas Immersive for advertising and PR students because the whole idea of the brand world was shifting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Traditional being just a art director or a copywriter is not how how branding, how advertising works anymore. They're all moving towards immersive. And and you're you're at ground zero for that every March when South by pops up oh, yeah. and does just ton- I mean th- those students ha- are lucky to have that just happening in their their backyard because something like you know, I mean, this is before, I think before the institute was around, you know, South by Southwest world, you know, and it, oh, might, yeah. be a, it might be a minute before yeah. we see budgets like that again, but there's so much of that happening, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, th- there was. And this past year at South by, there were a lot of new activations. And I think maybe because New Frontiers Lab closed down with Sundance, yeah. a lot of the whole entire XR initiative that Brandon has been building up, like it, it blew up this year. Yeah. And my students get to have a really great opportunity. They get to intern uh, through the it's spring break here, so they nice. have that entire week to really dive into the world that they've been studying in the classroom. 
Um, and you know, it's not just advertising students. I know we, we talked about that, but like I have theater and dance, uh, students mixed with a creative technologist, computer scientists. I have a philosophy student. I have a medical student, <laughs> you know, like it's the gamut of showing that immersive now is not just a brand activation or entertainment. Immersive is being integrated into every vertical and this next generation realizes that and they want to be the innovator in their field. So they're coming and applying to Texas Immersive. How much is is the formula here about the emerging tech and familiarizing folks with that? And, and how much of it is about the fundamentals of storytelling and, and the sort of the affordances of particularly spatialized design, because immersive at the end of the day means bodies in space, whether that's physical or digital. Correct. Yeah. So I, um, everyone, everyone immediately thinks Texas Immersive Institute is about technology. Um, And then they get into the program and they realize, oh, wow, I can be a novice and have the time and effort to really explore and understand these technologies. So when uh, when the dean recruited me, even before I launched Texas Immersive Institute, the first thing I did with my research fund was to set up the immersive lab because I felt like we needed to break down the socioeconomic barriers to access to this emerging technology. How can you expect someone to design and make something with these tools if you don't have access to demo and try out what already exists? So that was the key fundamental start of starting my lab. And my lab is the heart of Texas Immersive. Everyone hangs out there. They build community there. The the students have started an immersive club at UT Austin. Um, I've woken up many students on my couch and I'm washing the blanket because the summer, the semester is over. You know, it's like, it is like. It reminds me of like those like back rooms at MIT where like people never left, you know, which which is fun because like it's like the creative space where like we're in a corner and people are like, what's going on there? You know, Um, it's where magic happens. It really is where magic happens. Um, and for me, but, that was that was the back of the theater back in high school. Yeah, like I just, exactly. I just, I, 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 my teacher let me stay unsupervised between like the end of the end of the school day and rehearsal, and so like I was, I was the thing that haunted the the theater. Still am. Yeah. So yeah, I can't tell you how many snacks I buy on a weekly. Oh, <laughs> just yeah. Hopefully, eat them and they will totally stay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but back to your back to your question about um, is it technology focused? Um, I I think that as designers in today and thinking about how R&D and development works, we we rapid prototype quickly. You can literally jump into a template in Unreal or Unity and quickly make something if you wanted to from like a, an immersive technology perspective without having to take a long time to build. You're, you're kind of mm-hmm. rapidly doing these sprints. And so I feel like they have to at least know the basics of these technologies. So I incorporate software skills developments into audience, into every class, audience development, 
storytelling and the immersive capstone, but it's very personalized because I'm dealing with 15 different majors. So I have people who are already getting their degree in technology versus like advertising students who might know how to make a video, you know? Right. And so it's like really varied. And so they all take a personal journey into the software skills they need to learn. So they get to choose if they're a beginner, intermediate, advanced, and move in there. And they're never alone and they're learning from each other, which I think is how you build kind of like that technical support anyway. With the folks who are coming through as they move to their final projects or say they advance through and, and what they're even what they're pitching, are they gravitating towards doing digital first work or or live work or is it a is it a big oh, mix? It's a big mix. Exactly. Like so we, I just graduated the third cohort um, of students, and um, they developed the in-between, which is uh, about a 40-minute um, physical, digital, immersive experience in a, gosh, a, a, we, we took over Dada Labs in Austin, and it's a creative technology space. So it's like an office space for creative technologists, and they gave us like their whole like space so we could use the hallways a little conference room and the big like space where they hold dj bands and music and they turned it into this space which was uh called the in-between it's the six minutes between when your heart gives out and your brain stops functioning oh you yeah. go through this and there was a management. Uh, it was actually a audio reactive um, touch designer connected with stable diffusion AI character that you would be able to come up and talk to that was connected to a live actor behind the scenes with that, with that character. Um, we did try motion capture. The Wi-Fi in the room was bad. We had to do that. There's a whole story of like, yeah, yeah. Switching it. But there was also like, um, there was ones that were just audio driven, spatial sound experiences. There was a VR one on Universe. Love was was built completely in Figma. Um, so, you know, it really varied in the technical skills and the whole class of 25 students broke into different teams and built out the space collectively to make this holistic experience. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, a bunch of folks working on a theme and then yeah. delivering different experiences that way. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that's, that's, a, that's a favorite format for me. I love that. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And I, I think it gave them ownership uh, on a particular area, but they had to also keep in mind the creative di- director's vision of the overall look and feel and story that was going on as people entered the room. So it was a holistic experience at the same time. Um, and it was self-explanatory exploratory. And that one was very different than the last cohort, which was the first one to really do because of, I started this in COVID. So the first one, of course, was completely online. Um, But the second one, they chose to do this live physical digital called Roses of the Rubble, and they were exploring surveillance. Um, Mm. So they wanted, they developed this whole like alternative Austin uh, where Knox Corporation was really bringing Austinites down and that you had to collect valence and bring the automaton to life. So it was like this crazy story world of like kind of like a, a, a collective time scavenger hunt experience with five actors interacting with you while you were doing these digital pieces. 
Oh, that's dope. That's one of the things I like when, when particularly when storytellers and creative technologists get together, the working this space, the types of themes, the genres that are, are gravitated towards, they have a, you know, that somewhere between ripped from the headlines slash deeply spiritual existential, you know, thoughts. It's like, it's all, it's all death surveillance culture, climate change and, you know, gender identity because, you know, you have questions about the way the tools work, like, and, and the systems of our world. And, and you're trying to, there's something very Promethean about, about playing in the immersive space. You're trying to steal fire. You're trying to steal these tools from these giant corporations that might as well be gods. Anyway. um... (laughs) Totally. I mean, it's getting into the head of Gen Z and Gen Alpha that are coming up right behind on like what matters to them and where they are. I mean, I think the uh, Knox Corporation was coming in when we, they, they, they were the COVID kids. They started the program during COVID online and they were like, where is all my data? What is this looking like? And the in-between, they were the first group that like did not have to be online. We met in person and it was a real like kind of like uh, like a butterfly coming out, you know, like mm. us coming out of our shells. And they were like, wow, life is so important. This cohort was so interested in giving each other grace and making sure that we were taking time to protect, to, to take care of our mental health as we built and got, you know, frustrations. I mean, production, you're in the shit, right? You're yeah. like figuring it out. And they're, they were all like very, a cautious of like, let's over communicate and make sure that we're all watching and taking care of each other so we can excel and have a good experience, which was really interesting. There's a part of me that really hopes that that trend, that instinct can be sustainable. And there's another part of me who like knows production hell, who's like, sometimes you just like, no, just strap the Makita on me. I'm going in like, uh, just, just. Experienced both. Trust me. Okay, good, good, good. Some, yeah. Sometimes you just gotta hyper focus and you know down a jolt cola and be done with it. So exactly, um, exactly. It's a, that's a conversation we had to have around. Like, it's interesting trying to teach them the difference between effort and quality. You know, so it's like mm. oh, I worked so hard. Oh my god, this was you know I was up all night and everything. And I'm like, but it's did you see the play test? Like it's there it's not it failed like it's not ready you know so just because you're trying hard doesn't mean it's working (laughs) yeah yeah you could be putting your ladder on the wrong wall you know like there's 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 always that and well and that's always the thing about effort right it's like you can be this is you get the tunnel vision you you put a lot of effort into it but you're going up the wrong wall and someone goes you put on the wrong wall and it's like no i can climb over the ceiling and get to the right wall it's like you will fall like, why yeah. don't we just take a breather, take a step back, you know, like yeah. use that stuff for the next time. Right. You know, like you've learned yeah. some lessons, what can transfer over, you know, yeah, um, exactly. it's, it's not a, teaching, like learning how to fail. Right. I think particularly in our culture, like our culture is about our culture lauds all the accidental successes and has no room for lauding the ability to fail and draw wisdom from failure. Right. Yeah. The closest we get is improv, you know, really the closest we get. Yep. Yeah. Well, we, they learned yes. And from me for sure. (laughs) 
Um, and it's the ones that finished the program and are still haven't graduated from UT Austin. They started the immersive club. So they're like, yes, I'm going to do more, even though I'm finished with your classes. And I have clients who come in who want to do immersive projects. So in outside of the courses, we have a whole entire lab working on different, uh, immersive experiences wow. with, with other departments that come to us or even external clients who come to us asking us to deploy be experienced designers and develop what the future could look like for them. Oh, very cool. Uh, I'll, have to, yeah. I'll have to drill in on that at, at some point and, and, and ask you how that works. Although that might be like offline. <laughs> like, yeah. Wait, how's that work? Um, uh, just out of, out of all kinds of curiosity. A um, couple of things uh, that, that we've touched on that, that I just kind of want to loop back to um, first, you know, at the start you, you referred to the group as, uh, hustlers, hackers, and designers. And I'm wondering, is, is hustler and hacker, uh, a continuum or, or it is a, it is a, uh, it is, you know, like, uh, in, in, in parallel and opposition, like, you know, is it an intersection? What's, what's I feel that? like you need to have all of those skills to be an explorer at Texas immersive, you know, um, nice. it's not, it's not only one, uh, one of the th- the kind of the tri- I'm a big believer in the triangle, you know, like Star Wars, like how nice. it's just meant to be, right? Trilogies. Um, you got so to have all. You got a multi class. You can't. You can't. You can't just come in as a one type character type. It's like no, the the institute is only for multi class characters. Like you know, like sorry everybody. Um, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you got to have a little bit of all of that in order to succeed. <laughs> The other thing when you were talking about like you know pushing things into Unreal or or in kind of sketching in there, I'm particularly because of the way the workflows are happening in virtual production and between like digital and physical now. Like, are you sort of feeling? Are you seeing that there is kind of a a, a common technical palette? that's developing in the space like are are we reaching a point where uh it's not quite as wild west and there's there's a little bit more there's some go-tos that are a little more reliable here yeah you know um it's interesting i I think as i've worked in it so long i i gravitate and lean towards unity Mm -hmm. uh maybe because that's where i first developed right first began um building projects but I also found that their their uh, Unity has better plugins in connection to like IoT sensors. So I've always been someone who's wanted to always converge physical and digital, you know. Um, and so uh, those type of plugins are good. But it's a little bit more complicated because you need to know how to code. Where Unreal has really like changed the dynamic. It reminds me so much of like where I began with video editing as a filmmaker, you know, it's, it's a very easier template to use and pick up. So I can see why in the college of communication, unreal engine, and especially when it comes to virtual production and storytelling, it's one that's really applying where unity is for game developers, but those two platforms, they both have pros and cons. And I I don't sell one over the other. I think that it really is what affordances do you need that which one, which platform I would choose. And I would say those two game engines are, are like standard now. Um, Now I would also throw in Niantic um, because I think out of all the different types of extended reality I've worked in, I was more interested in augmented reality while everyone else was getting funded by virtual reality. I just, I didn't want to leave my world, right? Mm -hmm. I wanted, 
I really felt like there was long term going to be a better play in blending digital and physical rather than in removing my physical environment. Um, maybe it's the kind of <laughs> the dystopian of Ready Player One that always inspired me. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I like my world. <laughs> maybe we want to be here just a little bit longer. Um, and you can see that augmented reality is already taking off with Niantic. I'm not talking just about like, you know, Ingress or Pokemon Go or even Harry Potter. There, There's a lot of people now with their uh, VPS and with their sky effects, you know, with occlusion, which when I was doing one in 2016, if I had occlusion, my public park augmented reality experience would have been totally different for families than it is now, you know? So, um, and they're mapping the world and they say AR is for everyone, which is really kind of a a belief that I, I, I think is right. You know? There were a lot of demos at South by of stuff that's being built on Lightship, uh, which yeah, is Lightship. I think the, how they brand their 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 platform. Yeah. I haven't. That's I the didn't get solution, all of that. Yeah, is like, I didn't get a chance to see those. I mean, like, do you, do you feel that's like taking a real step forward in in terms of its its maturation? Like leaps and bounds, it has taken a step forward because I remember building AR in Vuforia. You know, like I mean, mm. it has changed immensely what you can do with augmented reality, and I think they're prime because where they had the Lightship SDK when they first released it, they're now actually incorporating it into being able to be um, just plugins within Unity. I'm sure Unreal down the line, but it's already yeah. plugged within unity which makes it so much easier for these two game engines to really kind of push the envelope towards mixed reality we're the early stages of mixed reality but like i remember winkle beans when i was like i want to make my little wooden monsters you know actually interact with with augmented with digital assets with augmented reality and it was before glasses so you know you're like holding a toy and holding a mobile phone and kind of clunky but glasses are six months to a year out and i've already been playing with like unreal air and snap spectacles you know they're it's well, just like slow, I, was, slow. I was just interviewing uh lucas um, martel of uh oh, yeah. of mighty coconut uh, right and and yeah in and, my and, here in austin <laughs> right and he was telling me about and i and i and i had not caught this like i didn't realize that They've got and, and people. If, if this goes out before people hear this in the interview, they've got it. They've got up and running, um, and have always had it up and running, but are, are, are bringing it to everyone. Uh, Crossplay for a mobile version of Walkabout and VR, so that people on their phones or on an iPad can like play with people who are in headset in the same physical space. Partly so people can see what people are doing, but also to like interact and. That right there, particularly because people already love Walkabout. Like every for so much of this stuff for so long, it's been a tech demo. Isn't this fascinating? Here's this thing. Look at what you can do, and it's it's fun for like a couple of minutes. But then you get to the end of it, and you know, no one picks it back up. Walkabout because it already has folks who are really into doing it. That you know, playing with each other. It's proven fun, and they're they're porting it all over so yeah. like every every course and that just blows my mind like that feels have, like where we're at the, the, the 
I, so, well, so think about Luke, Lucas is a visionary. You know, yeah. I remember meeting Mighty Coconut uh, even before Walkabout Mini Golf when they were working with Merge and did the 52 story with the cube. Do you remember that one? sounds familiar yeah, yeah it was and you like turned you had this the merge cube and you turned the cube and how you turned it shifted the story that's lucas's work like okay he yeah. already he's always been thinking physical digital and like how can we converge these two together and um and and um i i in audience class uh, in order to get them get stu- students comfortable in technology, I give them a quest. So I, for the past three years, at early days, got 30 quests, and I made it my textbook in my first class in audience. And we demo every week, and I bring in a guest speaker. So Mighty Coconut comes in, and we do to talk about multiplayer and, you know, casual gaming, like what creates an audience? How do you get people to casually connect in these environments? You should also look at um, Resolution Games. Number one VR oh, yeah. game company, you know? Demio. Acron, but have you yeah. seen Acron? I haven't uh, I haven't played it, but I've seen, yeah. A- Acron is cross-platformable. It is so much fun. One, only one person has to be in a headset and the rest are on their mobile device. And the rest are the squirrels trying to attack or grab the acorns from the tree. And that everything leans back goes back to audience right if you understand yeah. audience you know how to design in these environments in a home not everyone's going to have a, a, a quest heads a vr headset maybe one maybe two so being able to be cross-platformable hence why these game engines will never go away because you literally make build it once spread it out to all the different platforms yeah is so smart way in order to like Think about where your audience is. Don't force them into a hardware that maybe they're not ready to adopt, but be able to put that experience into the different platforms so that you can start building that audience and get them getting them excited about story because yeah. that's going to connect them and have something to talk about. Story, character, you know, yeah. experience, like what it is, what is they're doing, who they're doing it with and where they're doing it, right? It really yep. just comes back to that, the absolute yeah. fundamentals of it, right? That's which is just immersive. You know, <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. Aaron, yeah. thank you. Thank you so much for this conversation today. This is really great. And and maybe next time we get together, pull some grad students in and, and we can talk about some of the stuff that they're that they're up to and doing. And I wanna I wanna hear about the next cohort's uh, grand design. So uh, I just reviewed applications. I had uh uh fifty applications and I'm narrowing it down to twenty-four, so it's getting more competitive. <laughs> that's that's great to hear. That's really, really good yeah. to hear. Really good to hear. So definitely would love that, Noah. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Noah. Once again, I want to thank Aaron Riley for being our guest on the show this week. And I'm excited because I'll get to talk to Aaron in person in just about a week here. Now, while I'm talking with Aaron, if you're not at the summit, don't worry, there's still an episode of the podcast. We have Lucas Martell, creator of Walkabout Mini Golf, uh, the hit game from Mighty Coconut, is going to be on the show to talk about some, what will be very recent announcements from the company uh, popping up just uh just this coming week. Uh, I gotta remember not to say certain things right now, so. 
<laughs> embargo life. It's just a thing sometimes. Um, so that's coming up. And then uh, there may or may not be an episode the following week. Now, if I have my druthers, I get to take the whole week off because I'm, I'm, I'm excited right now for Summit because we're getting really close, but I'm going to be so tired afterwards. And I just want to go hang out at Descanso Gardens drink margaritas during the day because you can do that there and nothing like a botanical garden and a marg uh so that's my future except that uh apple's worldwide developer conference is happening immediately after the summit and uh, everyone's pretty sure they're going to announce the headset on that monday so uh that's what i'm gonna be doing that monday and then probably trying to do like some kind of rapid response article and podcast so you know thanks tim cook um at least i get to go see spider-verse uh that night i've, I've already got my ticket um i also scheduled the summit on the weekend spider-verse came out but you know hey that's that that's my problem not yours um <laughs> Um, so, you know, I already did a whole version of this before, uh, and then I listened back to a little of it and like the microphone was just being totally off. And then I just sort of like grabbed the mic and shook it. And, uh, and now it's sounding just fine, but that also means I've sort of said everything I was going to say to you into the microphone already. And I kind of just don't want to repeat myself. So the long and the short of it is, um, we have been working on the next stage since 2019 um the pandemic stopped it from happening and uh then we were all ready to do it again in 2022 and the pandemics came back and had its revenge and now we're officially closer than we've ever been uh to making it happen and a part of me feels like you know i'm just i'm just finally getting to that part of my life that i was supposed to be in like a few years ago and uh i'm i'm there's just so much um i'm a very in so many ways i'm a very different person from the person who set out in 2019 to do it um things have changed uh this has changed for so many of us uh but uh, a lot a lot has changed and What's been wonderful is how much this work has given me a focus, given me something to fight for, uh, given me something uh, not just to believe in, but to help try bring about. And now that we get to get everyone together and start having the conversation we want to have in person, which is about how do we change the discussion around the value of this work? How do we alter the way the rest of the world looks at immersive, um, which has been the plan all along this conversation, the town hall we're having on the value of immersive. Um, there's, there's so much we, have wanted to do. And the next stage has always been meant to be the kickoff for that. And where it won't necessarily be a simple like 
and then we start and then boom, all this other stuff happens. Um, I've just felt, you know, sort of like tied up in this for so long. Anyway, uh, I'm no longer making sense to myself even, uh, except to say there's been a long time coming and I'm really excited for the many of you that I'm going to get to see. And, uh, this is indeed the beginning of the next phase. Uh, and then um, what comes next? Um, a little bit of more of the same, uh, but also so, so many plans uh, that we want to start building on and working on. Uh, but uh, a lot of it comes down to showing that, you know, we can bring the community together in this way and get everyone under one roof and pick up sort of where we left off before the world upended itself. So here we go. All right. Let's do the, uh, let's do the thing we do every week. The associate producer for No Persinium is Parker Sella, who I get to meet in person for the first time next week. Music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society and Solar the Podcast. Special thanks to Siobhan O'Loughlin for voicing our intro. I'll see Siobhan there as well. And this podcast, it's my fault. Uh, I'm Noah Nelson. And until next time, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>